everybody. Welcome to the Anthony and Todd Show. I'm your host, Vincent. I'm your host, Trevor. And we're here today with another interview with an artist we're really excited to interview today. Uh, we've heard, we, we first heard his work back in 2018 with his album, The Sound of Lasso. We are enamored by his angelic and void-like beats, and we were excited to see how we put in the future. Last year, he put out an album with Elucid uh, under the name Small Bills. And this year, he has a new album, 2121, which we are really excited to listen to after hearing the first single. But today, we're going to be interviewing The Lasso, Detroit producer and multi-instrumentalist. We got The Lasso online right now. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. You know, we really appreciate you coming on the show, um, especially especially kind of late. I think we're in the same time zone, right? Detroit and Dayton. Yeah. Oh, nice. You're, you're in yeah, Dayton. Yeah, yeah. Not too, not too far from me, honestly. Well, I've- We'll have to we'll have to come back to that. Oh yes, bit. yeah, we've uh, been talking about that a little bit. So uh, let's just kick things off right right from the beginning. You know, you've mentioned you've been creating music since you were a kid in different interviews. Um, how did you get into producing specifically? For for me, that's it, it's kind of what you said. You know, it goes back to being like my musicianship went from playing instruments to being the person who had like a four track and you naturally start to assume this role of kind of conductor when you're the one who's, who's running the technical side of things. Um, and so for me, just my whole musical life, I've kind of had the dueling kind of evolution as both a instrumentalist and a composer and then a, you know, a technician engineer. And I think, and then, and then a music, you know, music business might be the third thing. I think those are the kind of legs of being a producer, you know, you kind of have one foot in the, musician realm one in the technical realm and one in the business realm. right right i wish your family supportive of your of your music dreams absolutely yeah um i don't know if they had a choice you know <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, yeah. uh yeah they embraced it of course like i think you know as someone who just worked a lot with kids when you when you meet kids you have a passion that's something that's really exciting so for me you know as as long as i can you know remember I, i've been really single-minded in what i've you know, what's been the driving force in my life. And that's just being in the studio and creating. Yeah, I gotcha. So you kind of, you've always known, uh, are they musical as well? Nah, they don't, they don't play, but they certainly are like fans and like, you know, this, this probably goes back to their record collection in some way and just their willingness to take me to shows as a kid all the time. And the listening part of being a musician, I think is the biggest thing they pass down to me. Excellent. Yeah. That's really important to be, you know, a good listener as you create music as well. There's always stuff happening, you know, all around us that can be perceived as music. Uh, what was playing in your house when you were a kid? You know, what were you listening to? My mom grew up in Detroit. My dad grew up in San Francisco. So, you know, there's a lot of like everything from Motown, and Detroit rock music, psych music and Sly Stone and um Hendrix and Bob Dylan, Willie Nelson, every everything. Um, reggae music was, you know, always around. So, I think my parents, I'd describe them as just they had like a really well, just like a diverse '60s and '70s record collection, like that had some nerdy stuff in there, but you know, a really broad blend of stuff. Yeah, very cool. You've uh, you build yourself as a multi instrumentalist. Are you self taught? I guess I'm I'm privileged to come up in a a time where, you know, in a play, time and a place where you could learn an instrument in school. So I learned clarinet um, 
which led to a lot of other instruments. I, so I learned playing in bands in school, but, um, you know, I, I still don't think of myself as super like, I, I have one foot in that world, one foot in a really raw, more like just, um, natural kind of understanding of music. So a mix of both. Gotcha. Okay. Um, can you describe that like natural understanding of music? Like, do you have perfect pitch? Is it just something that you've always latched on to? Well, I guess I mean that being like not being put in the box of having that like traditional music education. Like I didn't see it through to this level of getting, you know, really, really attuned via like the music system, whether that's classical or jazz being just the kind of standard academic routes of music. Um, so natural, I mean, like I've always just kind of like listened and learn to play music I like and kind of more than anything else, just been obsessed with finding my own voice and recording. Like as much as I've toured and played live, like the studio has always been kind of my home base. So that action reaction of like home recording, that's really kind of been the biggest part of my development is just playing instruments at home. Gotcha. Yeah. And that's sometimes the best education. Um, I went through college as a music education major. I, I graduated with my bachelor's, whatever. That is so not accounted for in school. You know, like that natural talent, um, it can get you pretty far <laughs> in in that. Yeah, I mean, and you try to balance it because like you always want to be growing. And if you're an instrumentalist, like, you know, shedding on your instruments, something you got to stick with. But I like that traditional band performance aspect, but then I've always been real obsessed with like sampling and, you know, other techniques that aren't based around playing instruments. Yeah. Those kind of things aren't, aren't taught in like a classical degree setting. I, I completely understand you there. Uh, so you mentioned that you grew up in Detroit and then I know that you've left. No, uh, well, uh, I grew up in, I grew up in a town, like in a town, Grand Rapids. Oh yeah. Um, okay. My, I I, I, my, my, yeah. Yeah. Other side uh, of the gotcha, state. Gotcha. So you're in Detroit now, though. Well, I lived there the last few years. I actually just oh, like a week or two ago moved. So as far as my current whereabouts, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm, I move around Michigan. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, why do you, why do you choose to go back there? It's just for my like home, home. You know, like I got the opportunity to live down in Tucson for a number of years, and that was awesome. And everybody wants to explore the world, but sometimes like you just got to be close to where you're from because of just real realities that aren't interesting to talk about on a podcast i get, I, I get you i get you <laughs> you know just like fam family and stuff and, and i like it here man i i as i get older i i enjoy it more it's the place i i i, I came from and there's a lot to explore in that yeah i get you how do you feel like that environment uh kind of plays into your music that the sounds of michigan well, certainly, like, Detroit just left such a influence on me the last few years living out there. Um, just first and foremost, how much techno is a, is a part of everyday right. life. And you always know that. And I, I've always had a lot of family in Michigan or in Detroit and friends. And it's like a place. It's the other place I've been most in life other than my home or whatever. So I've been aware of that techno culture. But till you're, like, living in Detroit and you're hearing it and going around and going to shows and outdoor parties it's just that kind of really just brought the bpm of my music up i don't think i necessarily make techno music Mm -hmm. it's hard not to be affected by it and then also just 
you know, the history of like funk music and rap music and stuff in Detroit. Like, you know, I was just around it more these last few years and it's hard not to be influenced by it. But I'd say the thing about it most of all that resonates with me is like I'm a white dude from the Midwest. Like I'm I don't I make no claims to have grown up hip hop or anything, you know, but like Detroit has this like history of a lot of different genres like fusing together. And that's always what I've been trying to do. So there's something reinforcing about the music history of Detroit and how it can kind of embrace like this fusion. Um, and that's, that's something that I've really picked up on these last few years. Like uh, in just terms of being home, it's like, okay, yeah, like I've never been someone to fake like hip hop, but like i get to hang out in that world because I got something to lend and, and, and I have a lot of collaborators there, but you know, being back home, it's like, okay, yeah, it's cool to just be who you are. You know, I guess that's the lesson I've learned these last few years. Yeah, I get you. That's actually a really good segue into our, our next kind of topic. Uh, Mellow music group, you signed to that, uh, legendary indie label uh, a couple of years ago, correct? Yeah. Yeah. How did you get involved with, uh, Mellow music? Was there like a singular breakthrough moment for you or was it just kind of a, a series of events that led to that? Yeah, it's it's pretty surreal, I suppose, in the sense of like about as soon as, I, you know, I I lived down in Arizona. I'd come back to Michigan and my wife got another job down there. We're about to move back. I, I was playing a show in Detroit with uh, Chris Ulrich, who's going by Red Pill at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an artist on Mellow. And we're hanging out backstage. Um, this was, I had another group back at that time. And I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, man, I'm about to move down to Tucson. He's like, oh, I'm on this record label, Mellow Music Group. The guy who owns it lives down there. And I was like, it's weird, you know? Yeah. It's really surreal. So I moved down there. I don't really hear anything about Mellow Music Group or the guy living down there, anything. But at that point, I was just really hungry to create. And um, it's about as soon as I moved down there, I hooked up with Lando Chill amid, amongst a bunch of other crazy incredible musicians down there and we just picked up a lot of momentum locally and got on like the cover of like the local music magazine um just because we were putting out like lando was putting out a record you know was like oh i I guess from his side what he told us is he saw that was like oh there's like this local like hip-hop thing going on so he signed lando and i went on to produce like um a quite a few of the, you know, most of the Lando music that's out on Mellow Music Group. And then that naturally just segued into us working together on some of my solo stuff. Uh, what has being a part of that group allowed you to accomplish? Obviously, I, I bet you've seen um, more outreach in your music. Yeah, I mean, I was actually reflecting on this a lot this week with 2121 coming out in the sense mm. of like... You know, there's no shortcuts in like music. It's like if you if there is if you get one of those, it's like you you might as well like you won the lottery. It's it's all about hard right. work and like and dedication and kind of like pushing yourself to kind of have something to say on that sort of platform. And I mean, they saw something in me that I think I knew was there in terms of my talent. A lot of people around me did, but you know, it's been a few years now, and I I really got it incredible opportunity to like develop on a label like i was already i already had just hundreds you know tens of thousands of hours like who knows how much time i had spent on music by the time i ran into mellow i had whole lifetimes in other bands and stuff but uh they've just given me this opportunity to just like give it my all in terms of seeing what my sound is um and that's been the biggest 
difference really you know that the the platform and the the outreach and stuff that's that's awesome i just feel like i've been given this like it's all about like at bats sometimes i always think of batting averages you know you just gotta like play a lot of games to win and stuff and, yeah, and yeah. or whatever using some sports metaphor and you know I, <laughs> I i i now i now have people who are like guiding me and helping me as i as i like push my craft and my art basically just allowing yourself more creative freedom because you yeah. almost have like a um safety net i guess yeah i mean i'd be doing i'd be recording anyways mike i was already full i was already a lifer you know for a long time before a label came came into the picture so for me it's like this mix of like opportunity validation um just learning like putting out a record becomes different when you're on a label than it was before you know so i'm getting to learn about that in real time um and that's really exciting uh how many of your label mates have you met uh in real life just out of curiosity I don't know. A handful of them, you know? Like, I don't know. I, I haven't counted, but when Lando and I were touring more and you're around the U.S. more, you meet more people, you know? But without touring, it's like, it's been so long since I've been anywhere. It's like hard to remember. Right, like, oh yeah, right. oh yeah, you meet people. That's something we do. Um, yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, dude, I've met some of them, man. We had a great, just one offhand thing is last February, I put out a record on Mellow with this... Um, vocalist named spiritual and we did a release showdown in tucson and it was with it was me a spiritual quelle and homeboy sandman so that was a special night yeah that sounds awesome that's uh, a couple of big names right there the world of like collaboration is so interesting like in hip-hop like because there's some people you really meet and you build something with over time and there's other people who you maybe just digitally kind of like through a few emails and you never know what stuff's going to get the public, you know, get to the point where people are hearing it publicly. Does that make sense? You know, when you ask me about the label, I'm like, it's funny. Like a label means something. So, I mean, different labels are different ways. Like I'm a big fan of international Anthem. If you guys know that label in Chicago, and it's so like about this particular community in a space, a place in Chicago. And I think mellow music groups, a little more of like a, a sound and an outlook and kind of this like catalog. And that's really cool to me always. It's like this, it's this whole like, history of recorded music as opposed to maybe like a crew of people that's really interesting the way that you talk about labels just last week we interviewed um, a guy called klefto he's out of bellingham washington and he's got this label called black noise records that he started and it's all trying to capture all these different artists that are within that bellingham community like people that i a sound that i've never heard of before like you never hear of all the Bellingham scene, you know what I mean? But, like, to me, mellow music means indie hip-hop and indie rappers, and you get these uh, big names on there like Odyssey and Quelle and Homeboy um, that are, I think, some of the faces of, like, indie rap. So it really is, like, the sound, but you guys aren't all locally in the same place. Right, right, yeah. It definitely has a sound. Um, Yeah. I think that, yeah, yeah, I think that's a common kind of label. There's, like, location-based ones and sort of, like, sound-based ones. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've released a decent amount of collab albums over the past couple of years. You have Lando Lasso, uh, Kirlian with, with Spiritual. I read that I was dead with Chris Oric. And then perhaps the biggest one, Small Bills with Elucid. Um, do you have a specific like favorite moment that has come from these albums? I always dig them all while they're happening, but I'm always looking forward, you know? It's funny, like... I don't really have a favorite off the top of my head. I love the whole thing. It's really been one era to me, and I don't know. Yeah, I don't have a favorite, but, like, if we're talking about Small Bills as the most recent kind of thing, that was just a unique, cool, longer experience I had making a record. So I would say that uh, I'm going to change your question. Just you didn't, you didn't, you didn't ask this, but that's what I think. That's certainly the one that, (laughs) that's certainly the one that, like, um, changed me the most just like artistically the process was very different you know I grew a lot during that record so it's memorable in the sense of like everything kind of changes after that record for me just because it was so different than making music with people like I know Elucid super well he's a great friend like we've known each other for years now but it started because of the sound as opposed to like when you talk about Lando or spiritual or Chris Oric, they were, I like knew those people before I was making music with them. But you met Elucid through the sound. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we played a show together and kind of like went from there. So it was, it was a little different. But right away it was like, if the two of us are going to make a record together, we're going to do something with it. Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah. Re-listening to the, the Small Bills record, Don't Play It Straight, um, yeah, I, I found it to be harsher and more abrasive than a lot of your past work. Like, not as much uh, psychedelic sounds and more fitting to what Elucid was doing in his solo work. You said that pushed you as an artist. He kind of produced me as the producer, so that's why it sounds like that. And that's okay. a cool... Yeah. Like, I can do a lot with music, and I don't have an ego that I need to, like, come up with every idea. Like... That's not what I'm about. Like, I like to really own the ideas that I see through, but, you know, I'm malleable and he had a vision for what we could do together. And they sound maybe more like his past work because it's easier to hear his work. But when I listened to it, it, the growth part was just kind of like letting someone else kind of define the influences. Yeah, okay. Do you find that influence and new sound to have bled into your new music? In terms of... It's funny how music gets released, because I made 2121 Small Bills at the same time. They were done about the same time, too. I mean, there's some tracks, you know... Elucid probably heard some of those. The way it would go is Elucid probably heard some beats from 2121, but I don't think it went the other way, because... I kind of know I have these universes I operate in. One's like the possibility to be wrapped over by someone more lyrical and technical like Lucid, And then there's like ones that are asking for more melodic, like song based material. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was able to do those two kind of like concurrently because I knew what I wanted to turn into songs and I knew what I wanted to keep in that like rap world. So they're so markedly different. Yeah, yeah, they're like work on them at the same time. Yeah, they're kind of my like two forms that I'm trying to kind of like boil my 
craft down to you know it was like how you know i don't want to just explore every idea i have this like i'm trying to kind of see through little worlds for longer periods of time that's why i learned with small bills it's like okay this is the sound world let's go like explore it for an extended period of time gotcha did you ever present anything to elusive that he was like no i want this to be harsher i want this to be like more uh tuned in tune like to what he was wanting to do yeah i mean Dude, I probably sent him, like... Dude, I make a lot of music. I make music every day. And mm. when I'm working with someone, I'm just going to send him everything I make. Because who knows what he's going to like. I mean, I think it might sound more like his music from before, but it also doesn't sound like any of his music from before because everything's so much more beat-based when you right. listen pri- other than small yeah. bills. So that's where I can kind of... You could say some of these same things um to him as well and i think there's times where yeah he probably asked me to i don't even know we worked on it for a long time i mean sometimes there would be months where he would just like check out a whole world i was into and maybe pick a couple beats out of it and then there'd be other times where he's like i'm feeling this pulse this feeling like let's stay here for a little while and then in that process like I'll go into the studio for a week straight, make like 10 or 15 little like 10, you know, maybe 10 ideas around that thing. Send him the best five and call down from there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So you made this, um, entirely digitally then, um, you didn't, did you meet with him in the studio? Yeah. Yeah. He came out to Detroit. I went to New York and then like we had a long session where, he was out in Detroit along with a bunch of some of the other collaborators. So we started it before COVID. Um, okay. we, had, we had done a, quite a bit of it already. That was more so my question. I just, um, I don't always like to bring up COVID in the interviews because it's just kind of a harsh reality that we're all living in right now. Um, but I guess while we're on the topic, like how has that impacted your music making um, abilities and collaborating abilities? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Both these albums were like, these like sprints and then COVID happened and like the last 20% was like the slowest thing ever. So, (laughs) um, since then I've been really building projects that either the people are around me or they're people I'm really good at digitally collaborating with now. Um, yeah, it's changed. You like, you just, I, there's a lot of ideas you don't even start to pursue. I get you. Yeah. That's uh, that's kind of what we found with a lot of our interviews. It's just uh, it's very unfortunate. Yeah, I, it's like I don't even want to dwell. I mean, I'm just trying to be excited about the things I can do now, and the whole trajectory's changed, but it just kind of is what it is. Oh sure, and th- yeah, there's there's a lot of upsides to it too. Like, don't get me wrong. Without um, quarantine, we wouldn't have albums like uh, the last Charlie XCX album, completely based around that kind of that kind of thing. Uh, honestly, it's it's really fresh to hear. Um, such a great album like 202121 20, uh, with so many collaborators on there. It makes me forget that we're even in these times. There's so much energy put into these recordings, like very obvious electricity in the studio. Um, in the Bandcamp description of 2121, your latest release, uh, you mentioned a lot of Michigan and Ohio funk. Uh, what about that sound inspired you? I mean, some of the parallels are obvious, but... Let's dig a little deeper here. What what are the nuances of those sounds that that you wanted to put on twenty one twenty one? That that kind of goes back to like I wanted to make music that was knowing you know 
I'm working with a lucid and stuff. It's like, I really like this sort of like hybridized form of like other sounds, you know, that's like sounds like a hip hop producer, but it could be a lot of styles of music. And, Mm -hmm. and so what I explored with 2121 was just kind of like that based around like funk and psych music. And I just really love Funkadelic and Parliament and every George Clinton and, and Prince and Jimmy Jam and everything that happened out in Minneapolis. And then you look at Dayton, Ohio and Ohio and every the funk history there. And I'm always exploring place with my music and, and the places I live, you know, influence me. And so just my friends who are out here and just where my life was the last few years, I just was really obsessed with those sounds and they really resonated with me. And they're things I had heard my whole life, but you know, um, allow, like just allowing them to kind of like seep back into the sound I have now was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you feel like separates this from your last solo work? Uh, the sound of lasso, um, like, can you describe that, bridge uh between those two projects they're just different moods and parts of a personality i think you could hear that they're the same person making them and the same people like and we'll get to talk about like jared saxquatch and jordan um much the cellist on the record um those two personalities are huge parts of my sound on both these records so that's one bridge but i think they're just different paces you know like the sound of lasso has a lot to do with like southwest and you know i made it in michigan but i kind of not really it was like the weeks after moving back here it's it's really way more about these broad landscapes and more open feelings and like open spaces Mm -hmm. and you know that's that's not where i live anymore that's not what it feels like so my life was way more about driving around like in detroit and like driving around at night with my friends and shit and like you want to hear a different kind of sound when that's what you're doing. So, you know, you make music to enhance your life sometimes. So that sound just kind of like fit where I was living. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can hear that. Um, the sound of lasso does feel a lot more open and almost reminiscent of, um, a desert in, in some aspects, but with this, uh, latest record, it's definitely more crowded, more, uh, city oriented, like urban oriented, I guess. Um, so that's yeah you nailed it if that's what you're going for yeah and then like my main like a billy free um i mean she lived in dayton ohio a lot of her life so this record only exists because like those kind of core people you know who so i put them on the cover man like they're the hooks that Billy writes and Rachel writes and, and the orchestrations and horn parts and all that, like that they bring, like that's what allows me to make funk music is like the collaborative aspect of it. How did you get all these people together? I mean, some are people I've known a long time and you know, I love recording. So I'm going to find a way to collaborate with anyone. Like remote recording isn't new to me. Like it's so easy to collaborate remote, but just my process, you know, like Jordan and Jared are people I've built relationships with for a really long time, both like musically and just as friends. So I think this album's like us taking it to another level in terms of just like, we've already been making music together. Now we can like kind of push ourselves and then 
Billy and I met years ago. Billy's from lives down in New Mexico, and I met her in, at the Tucson Hip Hop Festival, and I just heard her perform, and always was like, "I'm gonna work with her someday. She's amazing." I just sent her some tracks, and she's just started to define the sort of like me as like the main songwriting collaborator, and then Rachel's someone who I've known about or been around for a while in the Michigan community and uh she's newer to my music world but she like just offered another like songwriting element that could kind of complete the sound I was thinking of to not just complete it like take it somewhere else like it's not about something I thought of I had this like notion to go somewhere and then found people who could help me go there right it's it's another perspective in the in the collaboration process yeah it's like it's like having a band, like 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 or like having that core sound to build around. For me, it's hard to just get like a feature because I I make a style of music that kind of like it's hard to just send one of my beats off to someone and be like, do you want to put a verse on it? It's like what, what the hell is this thing? You know, so so like I, yeah, I kind of come at it from more like okay, this is the sound, and then we're gonna like have kind of voices featured in this core sound. I get you. Yeah. So you mentioned you played in bands a lot. Um, you know, over over the course of many lifetimes, um, was it enjoyable for you to kind of get back together with a, with a backing group like that? Yeah, you know, it's a good hybrid. Like the core, the rhythm. Like I'm kind of the rhythm section. You know, I play the the drum. You know, I had a bassist on a lot of this. The bassist for Lando Chill, he plays on a lot of the record. You know, I, I essentially kind of cut the core of the tracks at home play everything on them and then kind of like bring people in. And I think that came actually out of COVID that the Jared and Jordan thing of like sonically, I was like, I need more sophisticated players who know these like instruments. Like you can't write a sax part unless you're trained in orchestration as good as a sax player. You know, you're kind of able to build these little small bubbles safely in COVID. And so it's kind of like, all right, let's kind of get together this little chunk of time and like, finish this album you know they they kind of were a thread that tied the whole thing together at the end okay yeah uh, another big name on here uh only appears on one track is hemlock ernst or sam herring of future islands um how did you get him on this record what was it like working with him shout out to a lucid like that's just a beat i sent to lucid at some point making small bills and he sent it to sam and then Sam sent it to Sam, Sam sent it back and was just, I you know, it was like, you can do whatever you want with this. Um, so you didn't, I, yeah. you didn't expect that at all. Just one day you had Sam in your email, sending back the beat that you'd sent to somebody else. Well, I mean, I think maybe he mentioned he had sent music, but I didn't know it was that beat or anything. Like I said, I had sent a lucid, a lot of music and I don't know what he's sending to who. So I can't even imagine that would be, that'd be <laughs> a really surreal experience. At that point, I probably didn't even have that beat up my computer anymore. You know, I had to go find it like, shit, I better save this. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. The way that you talk about uh, 2121 kind of leads me to believe that uh, it's, it's kind of just in your past now. It's just, it's already out there in the open. It's, it's there. And, the lasso doesn't dwell on the past. <laughs> always looking for the future. What that, are you currently looking at now? Okay, and that's not true. I'm actually learning to enjoy it, and I really enjoy this album. Like that's a part of it. It's just like it is what it is. I it's a really pure, magical experience. Like I couldn't ask for a better 
experience making a record. It was really fresh and fun. So I don't dwell on it in the sense of just like, I'm really satisfied with it. You know, um, it's really exciting that it's like real, you know, when I see that I was able to get all these people who are, some of them are my friends and some of them are people I'm fans of to come together. It's surreal. It happened. You know, that's why it's like fun. When I look at, think of these solos, I'm like, damn, I've known Jared, the sax squash. Like we were young when we met each other. Like, I don't even know if we could drink yet, you know? And, and now we're like much older in life and we're doing these things that we like dreamed of, you know? So Hey, I'm just satisfied with that. Um, but if you want to talk about looking forward, yeah. I'm, I mean, I finished that album f- four or five months ago. That's the reality of being on a record label. Um, by the time your records are out, you finished them a long time ago. Yeah, you mentioned that you'd, you'd worked on Small Bills and this at the same time. Um, and obviously Small Bills came out months ago and we're just now getting 2121, what, not even a week ago at the time of this. Mm-hmm. Um do you ever feel the urge to kind of tweak with it after you've just kind of been sitting on it for so long? Nah, like I have so much I want to do with music and not enough time. Most things I make, you know, just, I don't know. I don't want to talk about my process too much, but it's like I work on things at once. Like anything I play on a track probably happened in a couple hours, you know, like I make tons of stuff all the time. And I like when I start a track, I, I work on it till it's done. And then if like I'm going to put vocals or something else on it that, you know, that that comes at the pace of life and collaboration. But I'm just always making instrumental music and vocal music or anything, you know, just messing with sounds. So I'm always pushing myself in that sense. And then you kind of like over time, it funnels into like projects those were two that just took a long time. So I'm trying to make some stuff now that doesn't have that distance element of it. So working with some people that I can link up with in person right now. Um, so in closing, we're going to play your track 2121, the title track off your latest record. Uh, it features a Billy Free, Rachel Eve, the Sasquatch, and uh, the cellist Jordan Hamilton. What do you have to say about this track uh, that you want our our listeners to know before they hear it out? You know, we talked a lot about process and culture and stuff surrounding the creation of music. But, you know, I I really wanted to make an album that was about, you know, where you're at now, where you're going in life and how how you can reshape your trajectory with, you know, collaboration and experimentation. So, you know, this record kind of is the uh both lyrically and and musically i think kind of exemplifies that all right we'll uh play out our interview with the lasso this ends the interview uh again closing track is 2121 the title track off of the lasso's latest record 2121 
for listening to Anthony and Todd show. I've been Vincent Short, joined by Trevor Abley. And if you want to follow the Anthony and Todd show, you find us on social media at Anthony and Todd on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us youtube.com forward slash the Anthony and Todd show, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, or other podcast stories you like to use by searching the Anthony and Todd show in your favorite podcast browser. You can also find us if you want to support us monetarily on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the Anthony and Todd show. And until next time, guys, see you, boys.